Evan. Uh, I'm Tim Rogers, lead pastor at Grace Point Church. Um, great to be with you. Thanks for being here this morning. And for those online um, listening and connecting online, thank you for being here and uh, making, making yourself connected to GPC this way. I know many of you are, are there and uh, just can't be here with us, and we understand that. Well, um, it's an honor to be with you guys. And we're in part three of a series we're calling Every, Where Every Story Matters. It's connected very much to the heart of Grace Point, where we believe that the story that God is kind of weaving into your life and connected into your life matters because God's made you and shaped you and created you in really unique ways. And so one of the things we're doing here at GPC is to kick off the new year, we want to start 2021 with kind of a redemptive look. We've all been through some real challenges in 2020. That's the understatement of the, the year so far. And we want to take some of that stuff that we have walked through and be able to process it together and then turn that redemptively toward 2021, kind of take that and move it this way. So today we're going to do like we did the past two weeks. We're going to have a, an abbreviated, a shortened message that I will give here, just a, a couple of thoughts. Uh, on the scriptures, and then I'm going to invite some people up to talk with us about some of their experience in 2020 and how they're going to turn that here into 2021. 20, uh, so to set this up, um, I just want to acknowledge that it is in my role as pastor here at GPC, and I've been here uh, a while, 17-ish um, uh, years, 17 and a half years, I've had the honor um, and privilege of walking with many people over those years through some of the most um, difficult periods of their life, and that is through the, the passing and the death of some of their loved ones. And I've been able to be in rooms with people in their homes or right after the caretaker or the undertaker comes in um, to just be in that space of raw emotion with, with people. And it is a real honor to, to be there uh, and, and just to be a presence to support and care with people during that time. And what I've seen in families over the years, and I think you probably have seen this too if you know people who have walked through some real hard times, is that there are some times in families, and extended families, where there, there may be a death, for example, in a family, and one family member will, will flee from God because the pain of that death is too much where they think that how could a loving God allow this to happen? At the same time, in the exact same family, someone who was far from God will find themselves coming back to God because they find no other place to go in the desperation of that moment. And it's a really unique juxtaposition when we experience pain. To put it this way, and I think you already know this, that pain can be polarizing in this way. It can have a polarizing effect, particularly on our relationship with God. For some of us, when we go through pain, we take a right turn and move away from God because he's absent. If he would have cared, he wouldn't have allowed this hurt to happen in my life. I'm praying and it doesn't seem to make a difference and God certainly is passing me off to who knows what. Whereas other times we go through pain and it's quite the opposite experience. We need God, we lean desperately in, we find a kind of reservoir of strength that otherwise we didn't have and we can see people experience the same pain and respond in two completely different ways. Sometimes, if we're honest, we respond in two completely different ways depending upon the day of the week. <laughs> and sometimes we go right, and sometimes we go left. And this is also the witness of, of our authors in the scriptures. There are places where I could take you, where we could see people who really lean in deeply to God during this time, and other places where people really reject and push away and wonder, how long, oh God, will you allow this pain to continue? Well, as we went through 2020, 
We've all experienced pain of some kind. You may or may not be going into 2021 with a significant pain story. And if that's your story, I would say praise God for that right now. But I would also say this, if you're tuning in and if you're sitting here listening this morning, we're going to talk about pain this morning. You may be saying, well, that's great. I don't feel much of that right now. And I get that. And I would say, again, praise God for that season in your life. But here's what I think you already know, that if you're not going through pain right now, there will come a time when the pain will be personal and deep for you. And that's not meant to be a Debbie Downer statement, like, just wait, you'll go through pain. I just mean, this is life. These are the cycles of life. And so the question I would have for us as we think about how in the world do we process pain is this reality that how you process pain will either accelerate or stunt your growth. The issue isn't going to be if you're going to go through pain. The issue is going to be how you will go through pain because you will. And so the, the challenge for us in front of us is to look at people who have walked and are walking through that and see what we can learn from them. In addition to just going through pain, 2020 presented unique challenges, and that is many of you had to walk through pain alone. Many of you have walked through relational pain, you've walked through marital pain, you've walked through emotional pain, you've walked through loneliness and anxiety. Some of you walked through health pain, even right now I know there are people who are watching, people who are here, who are going through um, difficult family news right now that's just hard. And in 2020, we just weren't able to get together. We weren't able to get together to share meals together sometimes. You couldn't go over and connect with people. There was an added difficulty of processing pain in 2020. And as we turn to 2021, we want to kind of take that story and move it redemptively. Now, to set us up this morning, I want to go back into the Old Testament, kind of the first one-third of our Bible, if you will. And I want to look at a story of someone uh, named Hannah, because her story is pretty incredible. And she takes us to this intersection of pain, wondering how she's going to respond. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's one that pew near you. That's our gift to you. You can also open up your uh, version app or anything else you have on your phone or your device um, and check in with us on 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. And we're going to jump into this story that some of you may have heard, but I, I want you to to, to be able to, my hope is you can kind of get into this space with Hannah here this morning and, and be right here with her. Okay, so let's look at verse 1 of 1 Samuel 1. Here we begin with an introduction to who this guy was. There was a certain man, we read here, from Ramathame, I don't actually know how to say that, but there you go, a, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. Let's just pause it there. We are now introduced to a man, his name is Elkanah. It goes on to say who he was the son of and the son of and the son of and the son of. That's fine. Just know there's a guy named Elkanah. He's our focus right now. Elkanah, verse 2, he had two wives. That is a problem. That's not in the Bible, but I'm just telling you that is a problem. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. And this sets up our problem. Hannah no kids. The other wife, again, problem, she had many children. Now, verse 3, year after year, year upon year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. What this means is every year and for multiple years, he would take his family, gather the family. They would all go together in a caravan and take a multiple-day journey with all kinds of animals and food and go to sacrifice at Shiloh, a big deal every year. 
almost like a Thanksgiving event in your family. This was something they would look forward to. They would go offer sacrifices together. It would take multiple days. These would create incredible memories for their family and their household. Well, whenever, verse 4, the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, once he got there, there were others there, it was finally their turn to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters, multiple, multiple children for Peninnah. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he actually loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. This is a problem. Because the Lord, verse 6, had closed Hannah's womb, her rival, Peninnah, again, this is a, anyway, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Can you imagine that? Verse 7 explains that this went on year after year, that whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she, look how hard this gets for her, until she wept and would not eat. This is, can you imagine being in Hannah's situation year after year? Hannah and her kids are looking forward to Thanksgiving, if you will. They're looking forward to the trip to Shiloh. Hannah, this is just going to bring more pain to the point where she weeps and won't even eat. Have you ever been there? Because I've seen families there in these moments of grief when there's a sudden tragic loss of life. There's no appetite. The sorrow is deep. It's gone. You just can't. This is where Hannah is in this moment of desperation. This doesn't say it in the Bible, but I think she's finally at a breaking point where she has to decide, and she's at that intersection where pain is paradoxical and it is, um, it's, it's poignant. You can either go right or left. She is at a point where I can't even eat anymore, and she is weeping bitterly. And then her husband comes to her and tries to make it better. This is not good marital advice in verse 8. Look at what her husband says. Husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? This is where wives say, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you by now. Why don't you eat? Again, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell Why are you downhearted? This guy is disconnected from his wife. All right? I mean, this is not a guy who is really connected and understanding. And then he says, and this would make it so much better, don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Now, ladies, wouldn't that really help in that moment? Never do something like that. To which point I think Hannah is at this intersection of what am I going to do and where am I going to go? And here's what I think happens in her own mind. Now, this isn't in the Bible. This is just my thinking. She decides that she's going to lean into the character of God. And I think some of this stuff comes through her mind. Something that we read in Psalm, excuse me, Psalm 34, verse 18. I think she kind of goes through her mind and says, where am I going to go, right or left? Do I lean into God or lean away from him? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I think Hannah says, you know what? I have no other place to go. I'm going to lean in. And look what she does next. Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Imagine that standing up in your Thanksgiving family gathering. Well, there's more people around here. She's standing up in this feasting time of worship. And Eli, the priest, was sitting by his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. And then in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Listen to that in the, the, the ears of your heart and mind. This woman is crying and praying. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth and Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And Eli thought she was drunk. Hmm. 
And he said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. And she said, not so, my Lord. Hannah replied, I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Don't take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli answered, okay, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And he finally says, go ahead, go ahead, go. And may God give you what you have requested. But Hannah is in this space of, am I going to go right? Am I going to go left? Am I going to lean in? Am I not going to lean in? And she leans into the character of God and recognizes that God is close to the brokenhearted. Now, the story of pain is real for you and real for me. It was real in 2020, and it's real in 2021. And the question is going to be, what are we going to do when we find ourselves in that intersection there? How are we going to handle that, and how are we going to respond? This is how Hannah responded. If you don't know the rest of her story, God graciously provided her a son, Samuel, who ended up becoming a priest and leader in the, the city in the nation of Israel. He delivered, if you will, in that way. The story doesn't always end that way. And for some of us, the story is still ongoing. And that's the story of this morning. I wanted to invite a couple people who have walked through some real challenges in 2020, particularly around the, the issue of pain. And particularly because it's not just pandemic-related pain, but it's other pain. And some of us have walked through pain upon pain in 2020, and it's been a hard year to challenge it or to process it. And so I wanted to invite Josh and Rachel Nice to come up and talk with us um, about some of their stories. So Josh and Rachel, come on up if you don't mind. Um, and what you'll find is people who are willing to talk, but also don't necessarily feel like their story is um, fully complete. Is that a fair s statement? We're still in process? <laughs> so we're not looking for perfect answers, but we are interested in the conversation. Um, so Josh and Rachel, thank you for being up here and being willing to chat. And maybe I'll just let you guys get kicked off right away with letting you tell us your story of 2020. What is it that happened for you guys? What has gone on? What have been some of the, the challenges, the hardships there for you that you've, you've been processing? So, I guess the big thing that we've been going through uh, starts in October. Um, we found out that we had a miscarriage at the beginning of October. Um, so the story of that is just, I mean, I remember the day of it, it was a Thursday and I was at work, um, we were, had recently found out, so for myself, I was still trying to grasp the idea. It's like, oh, I'm gonna have a kid. And <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not gonna go through any physical changes like Rachel is. And she's always been more excited for a child and, than I have. Um, so it's like, just starting to get to terms to that. And then Rachel uh, calls me and yeah, just something seeming off. Um, my initial thoughts are just like, oh, let's not jump the gun. It's, let's not go there right away because it seems to be a big leap. And just, yeah. But it's like she had comfort in going to the doctor. So it's like, well, let's go do that. And hopefully that <laughs> will give you the answers you need, which <laughs> it didn't give us the answers we needed. Um, it was quite a process. Um, and we found out later that night when I was home from work and yeah, that the miscarriage uh, has happened. The, I had an ultrasound, and the ultrasound technician just wasn't able to tell me anything. So mm. um, it was just like the whole day, and then the end of the day, the doctor called. Mm. Yeah. So. Can you talk about how, how did you initially process this kind of news? I mean, this is a hard thing to know how to process. 
um, for anybody. And um, we've had friends who've walked through this, um, but everyone's story is different on this space. So when you were trying to walk through this, and still are, but you know, what was that processing like for you? Um, yeah, like he said, it was, yeah. I mean, immediately you feel like a loss. <laughs> Um, but yeah, because you, you can't see anything. So mm -hmm. it's like, sorry. It's all right. Yeah. So initially off the bat, it's just, I know for Rachel, her experience is going to be a lot different than mine. Um, her body is going through a whole bunch of changes and quick changes it, was just adapting to life starting and now it's going and trying to adapt and get rid of uh, whatever complications were going on um, in that process. So there's that side of it. It's like, how do I be supportive, be there with that, but then also look at myself. Uh, how do I get what I need? Um, and why that is big for me, um, Part of my past, a uh, number of years ago, I've gone through a series of just difficult things in life, and I haven't handled them well all the time, and it led me down a pretty dark path where I just was not thinking as I ought to be, and it was really harmful for Rachel and our relationship. And I've been on a journey since that to trying to take every um, every thought of mine captive and make it obedient and to God and reshape the way that I'm thinking about things. So that was kind of instinctual because I've been working on that so much. It's like I, I have myself, I can't let myself go down there because it's going to make the spiral even more drastic. And I believe it was like the provision of God in that, that I've been working through those disciplines that I had some grace going through this, and that's been a huge change, but yeah, and just trying to serve and be there for her has been a big part of that mm -hmm. for me, mm -hmm. and it also is something that comes kind of naturally to me, caring for someone else, but I don't always care the best for myself. But he did a really good job <laughs> of caring for me. Yeah. I do think that one of the hardest parts was like, you just can't see anything. Like, I don't, mm -hmm. I, I didn't, I never got to meet them. You know, it was just mm -hmm. becoming a reality. Um, but what I know is like what I'm feeling, like my body is feeling a lot of things. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that was one of the hardest It's just kind of an awkward thing. <laughs> it's, it was early on. Um, which we're grateful for because later term miscarriages tend to be a lot harder. And so thinking that, well, at least it's now, maybe God's preventing some further hardship down the road, but how do we relay this information to loved ones and friends who are close? Because it's just, it's just awkward. Yeah. That was one of the challenges as we talked about it early on is that it's difficult. I think I heard you guys say it's difficult to even know how to talk about this because some didn't even know you were expecting and then to introduce, hey, we're expecting, oh, by the way, now 
you know, this is going on. Um, so it was, I mean, that, that was part of the challenge for you guys as well, right? That it was hard to know even how to talk about this, right? Right, well, because we weren't like seeing people as often, so I still don't know if some of our like extended family, <laughs> you know, knows, is that something you tell people? Like, do right. they need to know? I don't know, it's a weird And that thing. was maybe some of the unique challenges of 2020 of how to process this kind of pain in 2020. I mean, what you just identified that, but it was was it more difficult because of the restrictions and all that of 2020 to walk through this, or what did that look like for you guys? I think yes and no. Um, like no, because this would be hard any time, mm -hmm. any year, um, and then yes, just because of what I just said, like, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, like, we're not really, it's not like we got together for a lot of family Christmases or things like that, where it would be sort of a natural thing. We just want to let you know, you know, this happened. Yeah. 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 I mean, for me, with having this in 2020, um, yes, ultimately, our life hasn't seemed to change too much with 2020, though we were concerned and there's a lot of complexities of just how 2020 went. Like Rachel was saying, this was just gonna be tough in whatever year. And going into 2020, I've never been more confident in Rachel and our relationship. So that was a huge thing for me. It's like for once it felt like we finally had a solid foundation and I wasn't concerned about that through this process so I could just, we both could better be present in the moment of the miscarriage instead of being multiple storms and many chaotic things happening because it felt like everything was falling apart where it was just, how do we deal particularly with this issue and process that? Well, I'm glad you said that. I mean, that makes me come back to maybe the question around how the, the two of you handle this differently. I mean, you're together in a marriage. <laughs> but you also had your own approaches. You mentioned some of that, Josh, how you've worked to take every thought captive and that kind of thing. You were really working for an intentionality in that space about not letting your mind go too far down a, a negative path and kind of even guiding, shepherding the relationship in that direction, even yourself. Um, do you wanna talk any more about what this did for you? Because you're, you're united together and I think have grown together in your marriage through this but you're also individual people who, have, who are allowed to have different responses even within that, that unity. So do you wanna speak to the, the differences maybe that you, the different ways you came to this and process some of the, the, the work around this? We, we process basically everything very drastically differently. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it wasn't very surprising that this, yeah, we were processing this very differently. Um, yeah, I tend to clam up, I feel a lot, and I emote a lot, uh, but I don't always know how to put those things into words. So I cried a lot, uh, but didn't really talk a lot. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, probably until, like, the other week he was like, I don't actually really know, like, what processes you were going through. Uh, so preparing for today actually helped us sort of like talk about it and yeah decide what what parts of that um, we wanted to share 
but yeah, I think it did really bring us closer together. Like what he was saying before, he did a really good job of caring for me and um, yeah, like drawing those things out of me and like being okay with tears and talking at the same time. Hmm. Yeah, I guess for me more personally, um, yeah, being there for Rachel, which I kind of explained some, but then more for my personal of how I'm working through things and just general hardships in life. I get busy, um, so working on projects, doing things to stay busy, but then I also get to a point where I need to verbally process all the thoughts in my mind. <laughs> um, so, I mean, through the process and the journey of trying to take my thoughts captives and those other hardships in life, I've been meeting with a counselor, uh, so thankfully I've been still able to meet with him. So as well as being able to talk to Rachel, having that person to be able to talk through too has been huge. And then another great thing is the job that I'm in now, um, about the time of the pandemic, I got moved to a different position and was and I'm welding full time. And that's just been a great place for me because I can be around people, but I'm not directly interacting with them. I can just put on music, listen to podcasts, that helps put my mind in the right place and also stay busy. So I'm processing my thing, but then I have the energy to go home and help Rachel, yeah. um, which that that's only from God. There's no way I would have been able to know that I was gonna be in that great of a place for me, um, where in my past work has been probably the most stressful thing of mm. that I was going through. So. That's Even really through that, it's just it's like, wow, <laughs> you're you're right here with us through it all. That's really good. It almost sounds like you have you're processing more of this in your head, if you will, and Rachel's processing a little bit more in her heart. Not that you both aren't in each space, but there's a real unique strength, I think, to that of being able to to carry and bring both to the table because both are very legitimate. Which brings me to the next question, I guess, is the tension that you're in of, I think you said it, Rachel, uh, I forget how you said it just now, it was, it was good, that there was tears and talking maybe at the same time. And so there's a, there's a tension, even in the scriptures we see, that there's a time for weeping. <laughs> and, and Jesus wept, you know, John 11, he, he wept. There's this time for, and we see it with Hannah, you know, this, this just kind of bearing of the soul of like, this is, this is too much. Um, and yet there's these promises that God is close to the brokenhearted. And during our times of greatest pain, sometimes God can feel the furthest away. But his promises say, it's actually during those times that I'm the closest. And it's an irony that we deal with. So how did the two of you, through this, kind of live in that tension of, there's a time for weeping. I need to feel freedom to mourn and, and connect with the deep loss that you felt. And also claim the promises of God that he's close to the brokenhearted. So what did that... There's an intersection there of I can either go from him or come to him. What does that look like for you as you guys walk through that tension of what pain can do for you? Um, I, well, one of the things um, that I've been learning is, like, to me, that means that, like, God is for us and he understands us. So he's, like, giving you permission to 
actually feel everything all at the same time. Mm. Um, yeah. It, so I just think it like it means that we're allowed to feel like I can feel really sad and really excited at the same time, like really happy for other people and also really sad mm -hmm. in the same moment. <laughs> mm. Mm. And I think that's something I've learned a lot from Rachel, being someone who's just in my mind most of the time with my process. I don't always know how to handle my emotions or handle them well, which is why it has led me down some bad paths before. So being and serving Rachel, seeing her, how she's, she's fully in whatever emotion she's in, it's like, <laughs> I can still be living, following God wholeheartedly, but feeling this 100%. Like, God's still God when I'm weeping. God's still God when I'm joyful. And he's right there with us. And so what what can I find when I'm in that moment? What can I find while I'm here? You know, God's led me here. He's going to lead me down paths that aren't always good or don't always feel the greatest. So what can I learn while I'm at this low spot, instead of just trying to find the next mountain and just run up it as fast as possible, let's mm. let's stay here. Let's see yeah. where God's at and what He's calling us. Yeah, that's good. Well, that might take me to my next question here for you guys, and that is, if you're going to pause and not just run on to the next thing, um, as you paused around this moment, what do you think this has taught you guys about either who God is or who you are in this space? As you look to move into 2021. Whether we like it or not, the calendar moves on, uh, days move on, weeks move on, work requires things. I mean, we, we move, move forward together. Um, what does it look like and what are you becoming, if you will? But what have you learned about God? What are you learning about God? And uh, what are you learning about yourself uh, through this season? Uh, so for me, one of the things I've been learning, there's this verse in Proverbs. Uh, it's Proverbs 19:21 says, many are the plans in the mind of man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Uh, so for me, that's been something that's been speaking to me through this time. Um, I, I have ideas, things in my mind of how I think it should go, how I should work. And yeah, just because I think that's how it should go, or I think this is good, through God's eyes, maybe that's not necessarily good, maybe it's going to be more harmful. So just learning with my relationship with God of holding my thoughts, my ideas, my plans loosely of how this should go and letting God give them back to me, let God show me how these things will go together. I mean, verbally process with him, let him show me, okay, that's a good idea or no, that's <laughs> get away from that thought and um, just... Yeah, it's been becoming clearer to me and been easier in this time to go to God with this because it's like, well, that's all I have. I, I need to go to you because doing it my way hasn't worked out in the past. That's really good. Thank you, Josh. At the top, I wrote, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, there was a sermon you preached a couple weeks ago which I don't actually remember what the sermon was about, but you were talking about... I probably don't either. So Christians. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Christians and our foundational belief is that, like, God exists and that he is good. Uh, and so over 
yeah, I guess the past months, I have just been asking myself if that's what I actually believe. Mm. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I believe that he exists, but mm-hmm. do I actually believe that he is good? Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I know that I believe that, but I don't. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it f- doesn't feel like I believe that. That's right. So, yeah, just learning, like, yeah, to trust him. He is actually good in whether I feel like it or not. However, our lives continue to go. He is good. And something that he's also been teaching me about myself, um, I've had it spoken over me before that, um, like, my joy, my laughter, it's not just nice, like, it's actually warfare. Um, and God has sort of been like challenging me, like, well, if your joy and your laughter is warfare, then also your pain and your tears can be too. Mm. And yesterday I was having a really, uh, deep cry session. (laughs) Uh, and Josh sort of challenged me on that. He's like, well, you're saying that God, God wants to use those, those parts of your emotions too. Like, are you actually going to let him do that? Um, so that was, yeah, very challenging. Like, either I believe that God is going to use it or I don't. Either I believe he's good or I don't. Um, yeah, so sort of at that intersection mm-hmm. um, that you were talking about. Yeah, that's really good. Thank you for the honesty there. I couldn't agree more. I mean, this is, thank you, Josh. Yeah. This is um, <laughs> this is a story of faith and betrayal, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. That faith, the, the story of faith is that God exists and he's good, but the story of betrayal is something that I mentioned I've wrestled with, you know, for a little while, and I think you're verbalizing that too. The betrayal says, are you sure? Are you sure? It invites you to think about life in a different way. Um, but engaging it the way you have is really, really good. I want to affirm both of you here. Josh, I want to say to you again, I want to affirm your... Uh, connectivity with other people and connectivity with a counselor, for example, as well. I have said many times, I think the smartest people in the room are the ones who take advantage of, you can call it a life coach, you can call it a therapist, you can call it a counselor, whatever you want to call it. I think there's incredible wisdom, incredible wisdom in that. And, and I've taken advantage of that in years past and even in the year past, in the months past. And I really appreciate you saying that. I just want to affirm that for you and for you as well, Rachel. Thank you for what you're sharing here. The honesty of the wrestle and the tension that shouldn't be too quickly resolved, right? I mean, it is in this space. And we know it in our heads, but in the heart, it can be a really hard spot. And this is what pain does. It puts us in a spot where we have to look at God and ask deep questions that go beyond just what we can write on a piece of paper that says, yeah, God exists and he's good. But for real... Like, for real. And I don't know if you're listening, you may be in one of those spots where you may be in the same spot where Rachel is or has been, and, and we just want to affirm there's a tension there to, to manage, not a problem to solve. But there we get to ask these deep questions about who God is and is he good? And challenging that and tra- chasing down those, those answers is an incredible journey. And that's, I think, what God invites us on in the story of pain. Um, to strip away some things that we are leaning on falsely and to really get us to look at him. I just want to finish with this. Uh, in Revelation, we read this, and that there, there's hope to this. Uh, there's hope, but it is a reality. That in Revelation, we read this, that there will come a day when he will wipe away every tear from, from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. As people 
uh, of faith as Christians, uh, we've talked about hope before, and I just want to affirm here that we hope as Christians not just in progress, meaning the hope isn't just that there may come a time where you will have a child or two or ten, I don't know. <laughs> While we hope for that for you, that's my hope for you, we hope deeper than that as Christians. We hope not just in progress, but in justice. That there is a God of justice who sees all and one day will in his way make all things right. What he does and how he does to get there, that is the hope of the Christian faith, to say we hope in a God, not just a progress, but a God of justice, who will one day wipe all tears from our eyes, one day make, make all things right in his way. In the meantime, thank you for sharing, and we are honored that you would trust us with your story. All right. Can we thank Josh and Rachel for sharing this morning? Thank you. I need to ask quick before we're done, is there a story behind the bear that you wanted to share? It was a gift, and so I just decided to bring it. <laughs> That's perfect. Well, what is it? Does it have a name? It also is like no. a resent or representation, representation of our, our miscarried child. Yeah, I wondered if that was the case. Okay. Guys, thank you. Can I pray for you before we let you go? Father, thank you for the time this morning. Thank you for Josh and Rachel, their um, freedom in sharing honestly and openly with us. Um, and just the, the truth of the tension. And this is real life. This isn't just stuff on a paper or even just words on a page of scripture. This is where it meets us, uh, where we get a chance to, to wrestle with you in the hard stuff of life. And so I pray for those this morning listening who are going through this in their marriage. We're going through this in their mental health, who are depressed, who are lonely. We're going through this in their family and feel like their parents don't get it or feel like their kids are too far gone. For those who are turning into 2021 and just are so fatigued with just everything, just tired of the fight. Father, we've been through a lot as a church, as a community. And this story from Josh and Rachel is a microcosm of what we wrestle with, the core as well. Do you exist? Are you good? Will you really wipe away all the tears from our eyes? Can we really hope in your justice? I pray that you give us the courage to let those questions sit, and not too quickly run on to the next thing. That in the struggle, we can find you. And in the struggle, we can learn more even about who we are as well. So Father, we thank you for the chance to be together this morning. We look forward to more conversation, even with Josh and Rachel later on. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.